thirst can be a powerful motivator. When you're thirsty, a person might do just about anything to quench that thirst. That thirst begins to dominate your thinking. In turn, it strongly influences your words, your actions, your attitude. Leaves you with a gotta have it no matter what mentality. Well, what about you? When you find yourself sexually thirsty and feeling like you're going to shrivel up and die if that need isn't met, what do you do? Where do you go to find satisfaction and why? Welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This week, we begin a brand new series focused on the title of our podcast, The Point of Purity. So join us over the next few weeks and months as together we dive into the Word of God to discover the point of purity and how to get there. Listen to the promise that God gives us in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 3. Here's what he says. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Why spend on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Now, I want you to notice that God is giving a personal invitation in this text. He's saying, come. All who are thirsty, come to the waters. I have a, I have a question for you. Have you ever been thirsty? Now, now, I mean really, genuinely, if I don't get a drink of water soon, I'm going to die kind of thirsty. What does it mean to be thirsty? Why does a person get thirsty? What is a thirsty person willing to do in order to quench their thirst? And how does any of this apply to our battle with sexual temptation? Well, the fact is, thirst can be a powerful motivator. When a person is thirsty, he or she might do just about anything to quench that thirst. That thirst begins to dominate their thinking. It leaves you with a, I gotta have this no matter what the cost mentality. And eventually, All you can think about is quenching the thirst. You begin to to, to dedicate all of your time, all of your energy, all of your resources, and all of your will toward the goal of abating, slacking, getting rid of that nagging thirst. Well, we read in Exodus chapter 17, verse 3, that the children of Israel, while, while they were wandering in the wilderness, were thirsty for water there. And so they grumbled against Moses. Exodus 17, verse 3. We, we see in Numbers 20, verses 2 through 5, that there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses. And they said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why? Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock would die here? Why? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt into this terrible place? There is no water to drink. Numbers 20, verses 2 through 5. And I, I find it interesting in that text that the Israelites went to the wrong source to quench their thirst. You see, instead of going to God, they went to Moses and Aaron. 
Instead of talking with God about their need, they complained to men about their wants. Instead of trusting that the creator of everything would meet their genuine, real, deep-down need, they moaned and they groaned to two guys who had absolutely no power, no ability on their own to do anything to fulfill the basest of desires. Moses and Aaron, they're in the desert. Moses and Aaron have no way of being able to provide water, and yet the people go and complain to them instead of to God. Well, what about you? When you find yourself sexually thirsty, you feel like you're going to shrivel up and die if your need isn't met. What do you do? Where do you go to find satisfaction? And why do you go there? God said in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, that my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Oh, my friend, in what ways does that verse describe you? How have you forsaken, turned your back on God? What cisterns, if you will, have you dug for yourself? And why aren't they meeting your need? Do you recall how God responded when the children of Israel griped and complained about not having water? I mean, think about it. Did he get angry with them? Did he wipe them out? Did he respond in kind and grumble about them? Did he strike them with an unbearable curse? Uh uh-uh, uh, nope, nada. He instead, Nehemiah 9 15, gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. Psalm 78, 15 and 16 says that God split rocks in the wilderness and gave the people drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused water to flow down like rivers. Psalm 78, 15 and 16. And what's the result? Isaiah 48, verse 21. They did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He made water flow for for them from the rock. He split the rock and water gushed out. Now, now, don't miss this. Listen closely. Listen, don't let this miraculous act of grace and mercy just blow past you without grabbing hold of the significance of what we're reading and what we're learning here. God provided. God met the need. And he did so in an extraordinarily phenomenal way. I mean, water came out of a rock, a rock. The water flowed from that which was incapable of producing a life-giving substance. In Isaiah 41, verses 17 and 18, God says, When the poor and the needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus, and I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground, Isaiah 41, 17 and 18. A few chapters later in Isaiah 58, verse 11, it says, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. The fact is, my friend, that Jesus, watch this now, listen to me, only Jesus is the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to Jesus shall not hunger. Whoever believes in Jesus shall never thirst. John 6.35 Jesus declared in John 4.14, Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Now, now, here's my point. Here's why I'm sharing all this with you. Jesus Christ is, he is the only source you will ever need. He meets all your needs all the time. He quenches your thirst every time. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, Don't worry then, saying, What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? If I may add, who's going to meet my sexual desires the way I want and the way I need them to be met? Don't worry about those things. The verse goes on to say, For the Gentiles, the heathen, the unsaved, eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Now, Numbers 23, 19, Titus 1, 2, Hebrews 6, 18, all those verses tell us that God is not a liar. He is incapable of lying. God not, now watch this. God not only knows your every need before you even ask, but he has also given to you a promise. Remember, he cannot lie. He has promised in Philippians 4.19 that he would supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He promises to meet your needs. You don't need lust. You don't need porn. You don't need masturbation. You don't need sexual sin to be fulfilled and to be satisfied. You need Christ. I've often said, and you've heard it if you've been following in, in this series, these episodes, this podcast over the weeks and months, that the problem we struggle with is not lust. It's not porn. It's not masturbation. It's not sexually acting out. Those, Those are the byproducts. It's not alcohol, drugs, anger, worry, anxiety, gluttony, fear, greed, pride, control. That's not the issue. That's what the enemy wants you to focus on, but that's not the issue. The real problem that we're struggling with is a worship disorder. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? All God wants from you is to simply focus your energy, your attention, your will on pursuing Him, walking in obedience to Scripture. My friend, He gives you His word, His unbreakable promise that He cannot lie, that when you, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything else falls into place. Now, I know, I know that for some of you listening right now, You're finding what I'm saying a little bit hard to swallow. It's a little bit hard to believe. Your experience so far has not proven this to be true. May I suggest that you're hearing the enemy whispering in your ear. Maybe maybe it's going something like this. Well, that may be true for Steve. Probably true for quite a few others. But uh, our situation's a little different. My problem, my struggle is unusual. So this Bible stuff that Steve's spouting, although it sounds good, it doesn't really apply to me. Oh, be careful, my friend. If you allow that mindset to permeate, the result is that you're going to find yourself pursuing things that ultimately are going to leave you dissatisfied, unfulfilled, and thirsting for more. Instead of basking in the satisfaction that God has promised to give you as he meets your needs. 
John 7:37 Jesus stands up and he cries out, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." In Matthew 5 verse 6, Jesus said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." Well, I want you to consider this next point very carefully. Listen closely. You are not thirsting for sexual fulfillment. Oh, I know it feels that way, but that's not what you're really thirsting for. You're not thirsting for physical satisfaction and gratification. Again, it feels like that, especially when you're in the thick of the temptation, but that's not what you're thirsting for. You're not thirsting for that pop, that rush that the sexual hormones are providing you when you lust and look at porn and masturbate. Again, it's trying to convince you that's what you need, but that's not what what the real thirst is. Oh, listen, listen, by my own experience in life, I know that the enemy is working tirelessly trying to convince us that's precisely what's going to quench our thirst. You just need to lust a little bit more, just one more, one more bout of porn, one more time of masturbation, you're, you're going to be okay. He's devoted, the enemy has devoted himself to persuading you that you're thirsting for something that you're really not. Listen, my friend, watch this. He's lying to you. He's a master deceiver. And he's pulling out all the stops to try and draw you away from the truth, the truth that will set you free. See, sexual gratification is not what you're truly thirsting for. Your thirst is for something far different, for something much, much deeper. Your soul, not your body, your soul is searching for that which only God can give. Are you listening to me? Are you watching, catching this? Only God can give you what you need. That's why, now watch this now, that's why lust and porn and masturbation will always fail to satisfy. Oh, you'll, you'll get that momentary popper rush, but then comes the guilt and the shame and, and, and everything that, that comes along with it. It's because it's not meeting a need. Sexual sin will never truly meet your deepest need. That's why we keep going back for more and for more and for different and for different. The thirst has never been quenched. In Psalm 63, verse 1, David cries out, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I want to take a moment and revisit the verse that we opened up with this, in, in this episode, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. In that text, God says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Why spend on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and then your soul will delight in the richest affair. So give ear and come to me. Hear me, God saying, that your soul may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Now, the reason I repeated that text is because there's a question that God asks that I want you to consider with me. Here's his question. Why? Why spend? Why spend your time? Why spend your energy? Why spend your resources? on those things that are not satisfying. 
Why are you lusting? Why are you looking at porn? Why are you giving into the urge to masturbate? Why are you giving into sexual temptation? Why are you spending here? I want you to consider with me the following three questions. Question number one, what's the difference between spending and investing? Now, you can, if you need to answer that uh, intellectually, you know, consider finances, consider your budget. What's the difference between spending money and investing money? But I want you to think about this. What's the difference between spending time and investing time? Spending effort and investing effort. Spending in, well, I'm going to go somewhere with that in just a second. So, so bear with me. Question number two. How is lust looking at porn? giving into masturbation, giving into sexual temptation. How are those things spending as opposed to investing? And maybe I'm making an assumption that I shouldn't be, but I'm working off the assumption that you're going to agree with me that engaging in sexual temptation is spending. It's not investing. And then here's my third question for you. Why have you been choosing to spend so much of your time, your energy, and your resources on things that are not lasting, things that are not fulfilling, they're not gratifying, they end up leaving you empty, hungry, thirsting for more, full of shame, full of guilt. Why are you spending on that? Well, in the text that we're focused on, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, God is saying, listen to me, invest your time with me. Let me feed you on that which is good for you. Let me fill you. Let me satisfy you. Let me give you everything that you so desperately need. And if you do, your soul, not your flesh, your soul will delight in the richest affair. My friend, God has so much more to offer you. So much more than lust can provide. So much more than porn can can provide. So much more than masturbation can provide. So much more than any form of sexual impurity could ever give you. Far more than anything, anything that you could possibly dream or imagine, God has in store for you. Well, you'll know that you're at the point of being purely satisfied, thoroughly quenched when you're daily choosing to invest your time, your energy, and your resources on living every aspect of your life in a way that honors and glorifies your Creator, your Redeemer, your Savior, your Heavenly Father, your friend. All of your life for Him, none of it for yourself. Well, over the next few weeks and and actually months, I'm going to be dedicating the bulk of our podcast to helping you learn how to give up lust and porn and masturbation, while at the same time seeking after God with all of your heart. Because as you do, as you learn to give up those sexual temptations and and surrender everything over to God, you're going to be eating what is good. As you discover how to be purely satisfied with God, you're going to find yourself delighting in the richest affair that He puts on the table in front of you. You're going to be able to enjoy all that God has to offer in life. And you'll discover that your thirst is actually being quenched. It's being satisfied. It's being fulfilled deep down in your soul because you're no longer giving into the need 
the need of lust and porn and sexual gratification and sexual fantasy and all the other substitutes that you've been trying to live off of up till now. So as we work our way through this very powerful series, it's my deepest prayer that you, my friend, will see that God and God alone is sufficient for all of your needs. And all means all, and that's all all means. God alone can and will fill you with joy and satisfaction, fulfillment and pleasure, and and all because of his love for you and the grace that he wants to give you. It's grander than anything you can possibly imagine. So hang on for a very special journey over the next few weeks and months as we dive into understanding two things. What is the point of purity? In other words, why, why, why do I have to be pure? What's wrong with a little bit of lust, a little bit of porn, a little bit of sexual gratification every once in a while? What's the point of purity? And then how do I get to the point of purity, of being a sexually pure man or being a sexually pure woman who is living for the honor and the glory of God? Well, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. And if it has ministered to you, if it has blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, I ask you to do two things. First of all, would you please let your friends know about the Point of Purity podcast? Help us help men and women literally across the globe win their war for sexual purity and live in freedom by sharing this podcast with them. And if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, here's the second thing I want to ask. Let me encourage you to do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. <laughs>